It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. I come to this office ready to lead and serve starting on day one. We'll start where the future is determined in the classroom, preparing Virginia's children, preparing Virginia's children to be career and college ready. Starting today, we will raise standards. We will raise teacher pay. We will invest in facilities. We will invest in children with disabilities. We will create innovation lab and charter schools of achievement within the public school system. We will remove politics from the classroom and refocus on essential Yes, we will remove politics from the classroom. And we will focus on essential math and science and reading. And we will teach all of our history the good and the bad. So it's a very, very happy time in Virginia. You can't even imagine, Sandy Rios with you here. Good morning. You can't even imagine how Virginia has suffered under Terry McAuliffe and the likes of Mark Herring, who was the Attorney General, you can't even imagine uh, how they have degraded, how they're... Remember initially when the left took over, they cheered so much because Virginia had been such a a red state for so many years, decades. Uh, And I have to say that people in Virginia, for the most part, are better informed than most people around the country. They're close to the capital. They are very... Uh, conscious of their historical roots, uh, they're serious. They're very serious about their love of country. Uh, they they have a lot of you know high military presence. I mean, people who've served. It's a it's just a, it's a actually a wonderful place to live. And so this they have really taken back their state. And I want you to be encouraged by this because they managed to overcome all, all of the. I'm sure there were a lot of nefarious things that could have happened on election day in Virginia. But they managed to get out tons of people working in the polls and people watching and people doing all kinds of things to stop that kind of fraud. And look what they've done. And if they can do it in Virginia, you can do it in your state. It wasn't by no effort. They've been organized. They've been working, working, working. They're still working. But look what results they have gotten. And so Governor Yunkin, who, by the way, I was a little concerned because Governor Yunkin was the pick of the Republican Party in Virginia, and the Republican Party in Virginia is very, uh, shall we say, establishment? Terribly establishment. Weak. 
uh, you know, uh, you know, rejecting strong views on anything. And so that's why Virginia, they've had, there's been no fight back. But you can get that, can't you? Because you see that in the nation. But uh, Governor Youngkin was the pick of the establishment Republicans. He's a very wealthy businessman. And I wasn't sure, I just wasn't sure how impassioned he would be on the issues. But that whole issue of like rape in the bathroom of Loudoun County and parents going to the school board members and being arrested and treated so abominably labeled as terrorists must have been the catalyst that woke Glenn Youngkin up. And that, you know, all of us have, I think, that are active in this, have that wake-up moment. Of, I, I know what mine was, uh, and I've told you about this, when I saw a, a picture of a, um, a photograph of an abortion when I was 21. I just happened to see it in a desk in the offices of Berlin, Germany, you know, headquarters. And I just, my, I was just sick. I was sick. I'll never forget it. It's almost like seeing a pornographic image uh, that stays in your mind. And that was the catalyst for me to get, to do something. I had no idea. And so um, this must be the catalyst for him. And so, but that's not all he did. Yesterday he signed, yesterday, the day he, it must have been Sunday, Monday, he signed 11 executive orders. And that is, I'm going to read just a few of them to you. To restore excellence in education by ending the use of divisive concepts, including critical race theory in public education. To empower Virginia parents in their child's education and upbringing by allowing parents to make decisions on whether their child wears a mask in school. To restore integrity and confidence in the parole board of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And that's about them, uh, their attorney general, releasing all of these criminals on the uh, on public streets, you know, known criminals. And so the crime rate in Virginia has gone up, as it has everywhere in the country. These ridiculous policies of not making people serve their time. Uh, and then he's going to talk about, he, he also, to investigate the wrongdoing in Loudoun County, to declare Virginia open for business, to establish a commission to combat anti-Semitism. And that's something we haven't talked about enough, but we will on a different day. It's just, uh, it's exploding in this country, and my Jewish friends are really fearful and for good reason. Look what just happened in that Texas mosque. Uh, so, so yeah, and there are other orders too, but I don't have time to go through that. But, of course, uh, let me just say, in the Loudoun County matter, the one that had to do with the sexual, the rape in the bathroom of this girl by a boy wearing a dress after they had fought, the parents had been fighting these policies of Loudoun County. And that's not the only county, but it's the one that made the most noise and got the most attention they did a great, incredible job. I don't mean to reduce it to that. They they did a wonderful job of fighting for their rights as parents. And one of those parents, of course, was uh, Scott Smith, and he's the plumber, whose daughter was raped in that bathroom. And, of course, he was arrested. He was, you know, like the poster boy for how parents are, you know, um, a threat. they're terrorists. You know, they're, um, what do they call can't even think of what they call, what they're domestic terrorists. Uh, you know, Scott Smith, of course, the dad whose uh, why her daughter was raped in the bathroom by a boy in a skirt because he raised issues at the school board and got angry. You know, they took him down. So that's infuriating, I think, just a little bit, would you say? And by the way, on his issue, they're going to be looking into this. And on his issue, uh, briefly, let me just say that they're, the community paid for um, – a study to to show or some kind of investigation to see exactly what the school board knew and when they knew it. What happened? What happened? That this, that this should be allowed. Who knew what, when, and where? Uh, but the school board has decided, you know, they just can't. It's too personal for them to release that uh, um, document, and so they're not going to release it to the public. Well, they're being sued by the attorneys of Scott Smith because uh, he feels they have a right to know 
who knew what, when, and where, and they want to make that uh, known. Okay, so that goes back to uh, Virginia's new AG, Jason. I'm not sure his pronunciation is Myares or Myers. I'm not sure, but he uh, he is uh, he was on with uh, Laura Ingram, I think, last night, and uh, I just love what he said. Let's listen. Well, I mean, the message is there's a new sheriff in town. And what we saw in Virginia, a big reason why we won is that we've had a criminal first, victim last mindset in Richmond. We had one party, far left liberal monopoly that has been in control in two years. And they passed a series of laws and made Virginians less safe, less secure. Uh, they, they voted to um, end the mandatory reporting requirement of sexual assault in schools. They tried to end mandatory minimums for even second offense, dealing drugs to a child at a school or a bus stop. They, you know, reducing from felony to a misdemeanor, assaulting a police officer. And you layer on top of that, a lot of these far left special interests, they call themselves justice prosecutors, but they never conveniently ever mention justice for the victims that are deciding not to prosecute wholesale crimes. And particularly in Northern Virginia, what you've seen is in these outer exurbs outside of DC, voters were so concerned that they saw this sky-hided murder rate. The murder rate in Fairfax has doubled since the Fairfax prosecutor, uh, Descano, took over, another one of these far-left social justice woke warriors that have taken over. And so our message is we are now going to value law enforcement. We're not going to defund them. We're going to defend them and give them the tools they need to do their jobs. We're not going to have a criminal first, victim well, last mindset. We're going to have a victim first yeah. mindset. So it's a new day in Virginia. Yes, and uh, what he did immediately was fire 30 staff members in the office of the attorney general. You know, this is exactly what President Trump should have done. This is the mistake he made. He thought he could win people over, and he could not. He had no idea, as smart as he was and as savvy as he was in the business world, he had no idea how cutthroat, evil, and wicked a politics is in Washington, D.C. All right, so the bottom line, what do we take away from that? Well, that oh, I have this wonderful news for my friends in Virginia. Wonderful, wonderful news. But it let that be a lesson to all of us that this can be done. We can take back our states. We can win those offices. And this is the time to do it. And so the election's coming up. And if uh, you haven't, you know, um, so how do you get involved? Let me just say there are a lot of things. Just look for something. Just do something. Um, you know, sign up to work in the elections, uh, not to be a volunteer, but actually uh, draw some kind of pay so that you can have something to say about what happens in those booths. Find a candidate, two candidates, three candidates, I don't know, near you that you believe in. You have good reason to believe that they will be uh, where you stand on the issues and, and uh, support them financially. Heaven knows our side has very little money. Uh, the left is awash in it. The Republican Party is awash in it, and they support, for the most part, often terrible candidates. So it can't, you know. So that doesn't help conservatives. Make sure you get involved in the primary. That's where conservatives have a chance of prevailing. Uh, once the primary is over, forget it. And so don't, you know, yawn your way through the spring uh, primaries and then think you're going to go to the poll in November and have a good result because you're not. So I'm just trying to instruct you as best I can. Uh, to, to step up. There is something you can do. If you're mad about what's happening, if you're upset about all the things I tell you every morning, I'm upset about the things I tell you every morning, then it's time to do something. And so uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk more about that. I want to uh, change the subject just a second. Uh, where to go? Where to go? There's so many things, as you know. You know that uh, Mike Lindell, his, ba his uh, bank dropped him 
Uh, they're closing his accounts, refusing him business, and that's Lindell TV. That's uh, I'm not sure exactly. He's got a lot of different entities. I think he said 11 or 12, something like that. And so um, uh, they're dropping him, and someone captured uh, the sound of uh, one of the – it's the SVP, Vice President, Senior Vice President of the Heartland Financial Bank in Minnesota – telling uh, someone, whoever he's talking to, that he's going to cancel it and why. Let's listen. Clip six. Not that the FBI is even sniffing and looking, but what if somebody came in and said, you know what, we are going to subpoena all his account records and this and that, and then all of a sudden we make the news. So it's more of a reputation risk. You wouldn't know this, but I I used to bank Tom Petters, um, or I was involved in dealing with Mr. Petters, and all of a sudden, you know, you get a subpoena, yeah. and it's like, oh, man, and then they, you make the news, and it wasn't at this organization when I did that, but I, I also banked another guy, just like Mike Lindell, who used to be in the Eden Prairie and was indicted, yeah. and it's like, darn, darn, darn. Yeah, so, you know, we wouldn't want to get attention or anything, so we'll just cancel him out. We won't do business with him. We'll drop his accounts. When have you ever heard about that in your life? A bank that dropped you because uh, you might make the news or you're making the news or they disagree with your personal beliefs and yet that's what's happening. That reminds me, uh, you know the DirecTV is dropping OAN, uh, One America News. And uh, Rand Paul, I just saw in passing that he's dropping his uh, account with DirecTV and many of you might want to consider that too because remember, it's not going to stop with OAN, even if you don't watch One, One American News, which I recommend that you do. They do an excellent job. You can find stuff there that you can't find anywhere else. They talk they talk about a lot of the things I talk about. Uh, and so if you are concerned about that, I'll take, give you the number for DirecTV. It's 800-5315-1000. You can cancel your service or you can tell them they better reinstate One American News because we need to be a land of free speech and free ideas and you how dare you cancel someone just based on you know what you're concerned about what they're saying because a lot of your a lot of your people who are subscribers are actually are that audience what's what's the matter with you okay so those are my thoughts but i i think you can be angry without being rude i've always said that we'll put that on our getter account remember sandy rios on getter be sure to sign up and uh those numbers will be there again 800-531-5000 Well, now I'm going to take a breath, and when we come back, there's more Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if, like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now. And they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Vice President Kamala Harris, our nation's 49th Vice President. As Vice President of the United States, she is first in the presidential line of succession and is also President of the United States Senate. Matthew 23:11 reminds us of the importance of serving others. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Vice President Kamala Harris as she serves the President and our country. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. At Liberty University, we believe in honoring service. That's why we offer first responder and military communities deep discounts on all of our 450 plus online programs. Military students, veterans, and spouses pay just $250 per credit hour for undergraduate and $275 to $300 per credit hour for graduate and PhD courses. First responders receive a 25% tuition discount and those who qualify may be able to use both discounts for even greater savings. It's our way to say thank you for all you do. To learn more, text DEGREE to 49595. One of the nation's most prominent evangelical leaders is catching flack from woke evangelicals in the never-Trump crowd. Franklin Graham accused the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach the president of betrayal, wondering about the price, 30 pieces of silver. No, Franklin Graham was not comparing the president to the Messiah, but he was illustrating the gravity of the betrayal. Republicans turned their back on the man who saved their party, the man who turned out to be the most pro-life president in American history, the man who defended religious liberty and turned around a failing economy. Donald Trump was not a perfect man. He had struggles. He had blind spots, no doubt. He was fallible, but he did his best, and he delivered on his campaign promises. He did make America great again, and for that, 10 House Republicans plunged a giant knife into the president's back. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Every day that Senator Cinema and Senator Manchin side with a Republican Party that has been hijacked by MAGA enthusiasts and conspiracy theorists, is another day the forces seeking to undermine our democracy get even stronger. More than 400 anti-voter bills have been proposed at the state level. 400. 19 states have already passed bills that will make it harder to vote, and more are eagerly awaiting on the doorstep. The forces working to suppress our vote and undermine our democratic systems are acting with extreme urgency. These are the same forces that have stood behind some of America's greatest atrocities throughout history that we have talked about today. These are the same forces behind Donald Trump as he spread the big lie and undermined the integrity of our election system. And these are the same forces that attacked our U.S. Capitol on January 6th. And I'm sad to say, today's Republican Party, they haven't denounced them. In fact, they have embraced these forces. 
I wish that wasn't the case, but that is the moment we are in. So this is not a normal time. This is not just another vote. This is not politics as usual. It cannot and it must not be politics as usual for us and for the Democrats in the U.S. Senate. Let's be real. Joining the Republicans in blocking this bill or joining with Republicans to seek compromise with the very forces seeking to destroy what we are working so hard to protect against does not protect the institution of the United States Senate. It furthers erosion of the entire American experiment. I keep turning off my little button. <laughs> and I am talking. Okay, so that's Rapna Epting, and she's the executive director of MoveOn.org. MoveOn.org was funded by George Soros, probably still is. And it's that, you know, worthy cause that's uh, trying to, you know, take down America. But she's very, she almost cried there when she kind of made the point that Republicans are associated with some of those people. They're more, becoming more and more associated with those people on January the 6th. But remember this, that the left always, 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 whatever they're accusing the right of is exactly what they are doing. They, it's a it's a tactic they use. So when you hear them say, "Look at them, those people on the left, those J Sixers, those Republicans, those conservatives, those Christians, whatever they accuse those categories of people, uh, that's exactly what they're doing." So just remind. I'm so sorry, Ron is upset about the Republicans finally associating with January those icky January the sixth people. And by the way, she mentioned the filibuster. Uh, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema are still standing strong about that. And so uh, I have to take it back again on Joe Manchin because I was so upset with him uh, last week when he started like playing footsie with the Democrats again on that. Uh, but it's not over yet. I think the Democrats think it, I think, tell you the truth, uh, they, they think that it's over. That's why they're so upset uh, because they can't change the filibuster, which means uh, that would provide them with the opportunity to just need 51 votes to overhaul, completely overhaul our election process, uh, then they can't do it. And uh, and so if um, Manchin and Cinema don't allow them to change that Senate rule, it's not going to happen. And people are increasingly believing it's not going to happen. But I, you know what? I know them so well. The left, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, they just don't quit easily. They've got all kinds of means and methods. And uh, they play dirty, and they do horrible things to people. So um, we'll see what happens with that. And, of course, at the same time that they're trying to make sure there are fair and free elections, they're trying to make sure there aren't fair and free elections because that's the way they are. So uh, I wanted you to hear that. And again, but it's, see, the thing of it is they're not defeated yet. I, that's the point I want to make to you. I say I don't think they are defeated on that, and I think we have to watch them. This is a battle. This is a battle between forces of opposing views. And uh, I think it's against truth and and uh, and, fal and falsity. I think it's against people who want to uh, undermine and destroy this country and change it into something we will never recognize. And even if you are listening to me and you're a skeptic of that, have you ever been to the grocery store and not been able to find food on the shelves or see, you know, long uh, past, past it, well, shelving that has nothing in it? Or a can buy gasoline? I filled up my car a couple of days ago with 70-something dollars. Yeah, have you ever lived through that? Have you ever found a time when you people are restaurants can't find help and uh, where your children are not in school, or they are and they aren't, and then they are and then they aren't? And I mean, really, this is chaos. There's chaos at the border. There's no safety there. We have that terrorist who now 
you know, went in and held people hostage at the synagogue in Texas. How do you think he got here? And by the way, he is part of that. I don't have the word in front of me, but there is a terrorist organization in Pakistan. Turns out he's a he's a real character. Yeah, he's very much part of that. Uh, Claire Lopez was telling us about that yesterday, the, the suspicion of that. Well, it's been confirmed. And also in, in England, he has been... He's well-known in England because he's like a horrible person. He uh, goes into the courtroom and screams at officers and wishes them death. And so how did he, I wonder how he got into this country. I just wonder, maybe the immigration policies or lack of them by the Biden administration. So back to those of you who listen, who say, well, you know, why, why are these people, what do you mean they're trying to change the country? That's what they're doing. If you're okay with that, then vote for them. You know, go for it. And enjoy the chaos and disaster that ensues. Think of Venezuela. <clears throat> Venezuela, many other countries in South America reeling from this. Peru is one of them. The communist takeovers, that's what it is. This is what they're trying to do. <clears throat> and if you don't know what communism is, then that's a top, top topic for another day. Happy to share. I've seen a lot of it. It destroys people, destroys their spirit. It destroys countries. It causes death. In fact, most communist regimes don't care a whit about life because they don't believe in God, and so people just die. They don't have good medical care. Uh, that's so good. Does that ring a bell, anyone? I remember spending like two hours in the hospital in Moscow with a doctor and a, and a, a Greek, um, Russian Orthodox priest talking to me about how they could get Christian organizations involved in hospitals because they had heard that if they did that, the care would improve. The whole notion of compassion and care uh, in Russian hospitals was not there. They were filthy. Uh, Families had to bribe uh, people in the hospital to take care of their loved ones. They had to go in and clean, uh, provide food, had to watch their loved one like a hawk because it was dangerous. Is that the kind of health care you want? Because really, that's where we're going. So that's why I fight. And that's why we have to fight these people. I don't care if you like some of them. I don't care if some of the things they say are right. When they stand for these kinds of things and are allowing this to happen to our country, we have to fight. And that's why the upcoming elections are so important, because that's the kind of fighting we can do. That is the kind of fighting we can do. All right. So... Uh, what was I even talking about? Okay, so uh, Rafna is uh, with Move On, and she's talking about, you know, um, to the point of Republicans and others being associated with these horrible people that were at the Capitol supporting President Trump on January the 6th. Uh, you know, uh, so let's talk about those horrible people because I have a lot of updates for you. And I re- remember uh, last week, Attorney General Garland, we should have pulled it, but I didn't think about it. He gave this uh, ominous speech about how they were going to double down and they were going to make it miserable for people that were anywhere near the Capitol or who even didn't go but helped organize it or was sympathetic with. We're coming after you. That's basically what he said. So uh, to good, good at his word, on Thursday, January the 13th, the leader of Oath Keepers and 10 other individuals indicted were indicted in federal court for seditious conspiracy and other offenses related to the U.S. Capitol breach. Remember, they, they were the Justice Department was being mocked by many, and rightly so, because they keep calling this an insurrection. By the way, they must do that in order to... uh, (laughs) That's a word they pulled from the Constitution because they found this archaic statute after the Civil War that says uh, uh, basically that a president or uh, a senator and office holder in in the United States cannot hold office again if they've been part of a sedition. 
Well, you know, the the Civil War was not exactly just a sedition. Well, it was. Uh, But they formed a government, and they killed like 700,000 people, lost their lives in a war. Uh, They rebelled completely. They were organized. This was an organized insurrection. What happened on January 6th at the Capitol? Not so much. People didn't have weapons. You know, they did not kill anyone, in spite of the lies that Nancy Pelosi tells. Yeah, but uh, so, but now, you know, they're going to double down. They're going to double down the Justice Department, aren't they? Honorable people. And so they've been going around the country arresting people who are part of Oath Keepers. And that reminds me of a story uh, that just came. I've got so many stories to tell you, and I, they're all important. So bear with me as I try to highlight the most important things about these stories. I'm getting a lot of the information this morning from the Epoch Times. They've just been doing a great job reporting on a lot of things. I actually recommended them yesterday to my little Chinese girl who does my nails. She doesn't speak English very well, but we we have a great friendship. And I was just, because she doesn't hear, you know, news, she doesn't speak English that well. And even if she did, she'd probably be listening to CNN or MSNBC. So I recommended Epoch Times, and she'll use the Google Translator. So we had a great conversation about that. But uh, So uh, this is uh, army, an army, a retired U.S. Army Green Beret was arrested for being at the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th. Uh, now he's saying that the FBI tried to recruit him to spy on Oath Keepers a few weeks before the violence at the Capitol. Now, Oath Keepers, as I understand it, I bet I know a lot of Oath Keepers. Uh, they're retired military, retired uh, police, retired, you know, people who've defended this country, who've taken an oath, uh, sworn to protect the country and uphold the Constitution. That's what the Oath Keepers are. Terrible, isn't it? Can you imagine a group like that, the Oath Keepers, the Oath Keepers, to protect and defend the United States and to uphold the Constitution? And that's really, that's dangerous. Well, for these people, it is dangerous. And so they must be stopped. And so they're trying to stop them. Well, back to, uh, this is Jeremy Brown. So he's been arrested. He's 47. He's being held in the Pinellas County Jail on federal misdemeanor charges related to January 6th. Uh, He went to the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th dressed in tactical gear to provide security for event organizers and for VIPs who spoke at the rally. Does anybody remember, anybody, anybody remember how Antifa and Black Lives Matter were behaving during that time? Does anybody remember them taking over the streets right in front of the White House and causing chaos and a near riot after an event at the White House where President Trump invited supporters in and he spoke to them? And they, they were using, like, noise machines. And then when the attenders went out, they harassed, harassed them on bicycles and screaming. And uh, just, it was horrible. Well, of course, that's just one thing. I could name a bunch of them. I could talk about the inauguration when we were there at the inauguration. Uh, I could talk about, you know, um, how Black Lives Matter and uh, the Antifa were threatening people. I think you've seen those videos, right? Do I need to convince you? I don't think so. So a lot of people went to the Capitol on January the 6th trying to protect innocent people who were going to be there, like, uh, you know, grandmas and grandpas and children and people from the heartland who did not come with weapons. They came to support their president and make their voices known. On that cold January day, miserably cold, millions of them went out there. Okay, so, um, you know, but they're uh, insurrectionists. I keep forgetting that part. Jeremy Brown, 47, held in Pinellas County Jail, went there to help people and help provide security. He said FBI agents from the Joint Terrorism Task Force met with him in late 2020, asked him to become an informant. And by the way, he taped this. He taped this interaction. And thank goodness he did. 
So he says on December the 11th, the exact same Joint Terrorism Task Force agents that later arrested me attempted to recruit me as a confidential informant. Their pitch was intended to gauge my interest in in infiltrating law-abiding citizen groups that had no criminal history and certainly were not designated terrorist groups. So he said no. And he said he joined Oath Keepers right before January 6th uh, to help them do their mission, which is to build an organization that has a community outreach to not only law enforcement and military, but citizens. And he started speaking out after uh, January 6th. After he was there and he saw what was happening, he started speaking out. He went public. And he talked about what a false narrative it was, and he tried to expose the truth to the American people. He said, I know I was making myself a target for the FBI, but I swore an oath to the U.S. Constitution, so the choice to speak out was an easy one. Uh, Then he goes on to say, this clearly got the attention of the FBI, and almost immediately friends of mine began to be contacted by the FBI, some of whom were questioned and threatened with being charged with crimes. They wanted details about Jeremy Brown. My own sister was personally contacted on her new cell phone number by the very agent that was in the recorded recruitment meeting. The agent told Brown's sister, quote, the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, was concerned that her brother had been radicalized and that I might be suicidal. And it was particularly upsetting because they had both lost a brother to suicide in late 2018. Now, whether the agents knew that, I don't know, but if they did, that's really insidious. When my sister told me this, I attempted to contact this agent via his official government email multiple times in hopes of addressing his concerns, but I received no response. He said on his 47th birthday, he received a a call from the FBI, same FBI agent, left a voicemail, kind of like, hey, buddy, you know, blah, 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 but he didn't return the call. And then late uh, in the afternoon, I think the next day, the FBI came at 4 o'clock, uh, and he, he and his wife were leaving to donate clothes and housewares to the Salvation Army. Now, that's insidious, you know. That's dangerous stuff. That's, that's an insurrectionist. So as many as 40 uh, agents from the FBI, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Farms, and local law enforcement descended on their property with 15 to 20 vehicles. They didn't read him his rights. Uh, they searched his property. One agent was recorded as saying he recorded them. And they said, we don't know what we're looking for yet. So his response to that was they should look for a copy of the Constitution and read it, and that would be the Fourth Amendment, your right to privacy. We don't live in a country where agents can invade you without purpose, and they can go through your things and confiscate. This has just gone terribly wrong. They spent five hours there. They took his, they seized his five-by-eight-foot American flag that he flew behind his RV. Uh, and now, you know, now he's in, uh, he's in jail awaiting, you know, his fate. This is Sandy Rios in the morning. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming. 
our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA streaming is now available. Learn more at afa.net. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The city lies four square, its length, width, and height all equal, 1,380 miles for each dimension. The city's wall is 216 feet high, 12 gates around the city, with each gate made of a single pearl. Streets of gold so pure, they're translucent. No need for a sun, God's glory lights the city. No tears, no pain. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about, about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse, and there is no one who knows you better. And this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. America's top athletes are, for better or worse, celebrities. That's because they not only excel in their sports, vast followings also can translate press coverage of their musings into ratings. Thus, when prominent NBA players and owners curry favor with the Chinese Communist Party, their submission of human rights and U.S. interests to profit considerations gets attention. The most recent example is the statement by an owner of the Golden State Warriors that, quote, I don't care about the Uyghurs, unquote, being genocidally persecuted by the CCP. Fortunately, one courageous NBA player, Enos Kanter Freedom, is denouncing this preoccupation with, quote, making money and promoting CCP propaganda, unquote. Freedom has asked the Warriors owner whether he'd care if female members of his family were being tortured and gang-raped every day like Uyghur women. Will American Olympians care about genocide or join those submitting to its perpetrators? This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. So, you know, one other thing about uh, Jeremy Brown, Sandy Rios back with you. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Um, the uh, Jeremy Brown, who was the U.S. Army Green Beret I've been talking about, <clears throat> retired. Uh, is in jail in Pinellas County. And the, the reason I want to bring this, one more point I want to make about this, you remember when we talked to Matt Brainerd uh, last week about the rallies that were held uh, in honor of the, the prisoners being held uh, that were at the Capitol, not necessarily even in it, just there on January the 6th. 
Uh, remember that a member of Antifa, we're pretty sure he's a member of Antifa. He had uh, the markings, he had the dressings, he had, uh, you know, pretty much the gear and everything, and he just came moved there from Portland. So, you know, other than that, there's no uh, sign of his. Garrett James Smith, he came there with pipe bombs, intending to blow things up, and he is the one, he was there at the rally uh, for Jeremy Brown. Isn't that interesting? Uh, by the way, we'll put that article on our Facebook, uh, on, no, on our Getter account, on Getter, so G-E-T-T-R, G-E-T-T-R, go sign up, and uh, we'll. that's the way we're going to keep in touch. And anytime you want to say something to me, go to sandy at AFR.net, sandy at AFR.net. I try to read everything. I do almost all of that, but it's not, it's not necessarily quick, and I never respond personally, hardly ever, just because I can't. It's, just, it's not because I don't care, it's just because I can't, so... There you go. And now I've got more, so much more to tell you. And this is all about January 6th, uh, by the way. Other things to talk about, but this is important. And I, I do this because I don't think you're going to hear this other places. And not many, anyway. And so Roseanne Boyland is the other, one of the other persons that died on January the 6th. You remember that the report said, the accurate count, I can't remember the exact numbers right offhand, but there were no police officers who died that day. Um, Brian Cyclic, they claimed he was beaten by fire, fire extinguisher, and that was an absolute lie. He died of a stroke uh, the very next day. And uh, the other officers, some committed suicide. But just to be very clear, for those of you who are not getting good information, there were no officers killed on that day. That's just a lie. But there were more people, uh, even the Ashley Babbitt, who was killed by a Capitol Policeman uh, officer. We think he's Capitol Police officer. Uh, I'm sure he is. Um, but there were other people who died that day, and they reported initially, oh, you know, um, heart attack. Uh, they had reasons. One guy I saw in a video actually literally thrown off the ballast way high up at the Capitol. You've probably all seen it. If you haven't been there, you don't realize how really high. It's beautiful, but you don't want to be thrown off of it. He was thrown off. I saw it with my own eyes one of the protesters, and um, he was just really, he's still living, but he was terribly injured, his back, his legs, uh, but he wasn't killed. But Roseanne Boylan, let's talk about her story, because she's the person that they said, oh, I don't know, they said she, oh, that she died of an overdose of some kind of medication. Okay, so here's the story. A three-hour video has been unsealed, and uh, uh, it shows Roseanne Boylan, who was 34, Entering the tunnel, pushed back out, fell, and was struck by police before her lifeless body was dragged into the Capitol. Now, that's true because I've seen that video. I've seen the black female policeman beating her with something. Uh, I, did, I haven't seen the video of her being dragged, but uh, that's what we're going to talk about here. Boylan's sister and a New York attorney, of course, that's our friend uh, Joseph McBride, Joseph McBride, who was with us last week, I think it was, um, are questioning the District of Columbia Medical Examiner's finding that Boylan died of an overdose of prescription medication that she took for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Boylan, who's from Kennesaw, Georgia, traveled to D.C. for the Save America rally at the Ellipse on January 6th. She's seen in a video entering the Capitol Tunnel, walking next to conservative activist Philip Anderson. Now, let me just interject. We've talk, I've talked about Philip many times. He's that young black activist from California. He hosts. He was a Trump supporter. He hosted a Make America Great Again rally out there, and Antifa beat him, uh, broke out his two front teeth. Wait a minute. I thought this is a racial issue. You know, are we all racist? You know, are we? You know, he's not supposed to be there with you know white Trump supporters. 
Oh, goodness. I'm so sick of this. And could, I'm sorry, stream of consciousness. Could I just say, um, yesterday was Martin Luther King's uh, birthday. So today we talk about him and all those racial issues. And I, I didn't forget. I just had, there were other things. And I think the reason I don't put that top of the list when I've got choices to make is because I'm sick and tired of talking about things in term of, terms of race. I mean, I I, listen, I've, I, lo- I really do admire Martin Luther King and all that he did, and I, I invoke him a lot because uh, he was right on point about how he approached the, um, the oppression of, the, of, of white Americans to black Americans. Uh, so, but I, I'm tired of feel like zeroing in on people. I, my black friends are just Americans. We're Americans. We are bonded together by a common experience. It's not, I don't want it to be them and us anymore. I'm sick of it. And that's what the left wants. So anyway, so Boyland was, uh, Philip Anderson was walking the black activist who had both of his teeth broken out by Antifa. Didn't they notice he was black? Oh, anyway. Uh, bystanders continued fil- filing in toward the double doors leading into the Capitol. About two and a half minutes later, police began pushing the crowd backwards. Boylan is seen at one point looking down at her feet as the mass of humanity flows back toward the entrance. Less than two minutes after that, she disappears from view after falling. Police continue to push the crowd out of the tunnel, causing bodies to pile up on the stairs. A man in a blue cap and fur-trimmed jacket hood points at the ground and pleads with police to stop pushing. Others in the crowd try to hold off the police, desperately signaling that people are down on the sidewalk. Despite the pleas, police make another push against the crowd, sending more bystanders down the stairs. Men trying to pull people off the pile are doused with pepper spray. About seven minutes after Boylan was pushed out of the tunnel, a man steps right in front of police and shouts, Stop! He grabs an aluminum metal medical crutch off the ground and holds it out in a blocking motion. At the lower right edge of the tunnel arch, the video shows a Metropolitan Police officer repeatedly striking someone at ground level with a baton or a large stick. Body cam footage released in 2021 by the U.S. Department of Justice and cell phone videos posted on social media show that Boylan was hit by a police officer numerous times with what appears to be a small tree branch or a walking stick. Shortly after, a group of men carry Boylan to a spot on the sidewalk directly in front of the police line at the center of the tunnel entrance. Other videos show a bystander frantically performing CPR on Boylan, whose lips had turned blue. Purple. Another man wearing body armor with a patch that read Sheriff on the front takes over the CPR for a short time, but is then pulled away from Boylan. Police then grab the apparent deceased woman by the feet and drag her into the Capitol. She's dying! She's dying! One man cries out to the line of police. That's on you, blank, blank. The crowd outside the tunnel then erupts in a rage, charging at police and throwing objects, including flagpoles, a riot shield, and what appears to be a stereo speaker. The new video confirms the limited body cam footage and eyewitness accounts from January 6th that Boylan was crushed and trampled when the crowd was pushed out of the tunnel, then repeatedly struck by police as she lay unconscious. And then this is where Joseph McBride comes in. He says, my assessment is that, yes, she was killed by the police. McBride originally called for a special prosecutor after a three-hour video showed his client, Victoria White, was beaten by police in the West Terrace Tunnel over a four-minute period. The violence against White occurred just a few minutes before Boylan entered the tunnel. And so um, 
witnesses have said this. This is not just the video. This is a witness account. Many people were screaming that a woman was being trampled by the police. I responded as fast as I could, uh, Jonathan Mellis told investigative journalist Kara Castronova. I saw her lifeless body being crushed under the officers and hit with their batons. They were kicking her viciously. I acted to get them off her. I was maced. Um, conservative activist Philip Anderson, I just talked about, who was pulled unconscious himself from the pile of bodies, said he held Roseanne Boylan's hand while more and more people fell on top of them. Anderson was pulled by the pile from the pile by Jake Lang. And Jake says, after I tried to save Roseanne for about two to three minutes, I just couldn't budge her. She was under too many people, and she lost her life. She couldn't be saved, so I moved over. I spotted Philip with his tongue hanging out of the side of his mouth, completely unconscious. He was in a little better position for me to get underneath him. Congressman Louis Gomer questioned Attorney General Merrick Garland about Boylan's death at an October hearing. Was a determination ever made as to who repeatedly struck Roseanne Boylan in the head with a rod before she died? And, of course, Garland didn't give him an answer. Uh, the sister, Cave, uh, I think that's her sister, wants to know why the police officer who beat her sister isn't under investigation. Why is this case, in this case, is this policewoman not being held accountable? Why is nobody investigating her? And so um, Cave didn't notice it wasn't the police who came to her sister's aid. That's what she saw in the videos. It doesn't show the police officers helping my sister whatsoever. The only people who are helping her are the guys who are sitting in jail right now. All right, this is another one we'll put on, on uh, our Getter site, uh, so G-E-T-T-R for Getter, and look for Sandy Rios, and you'll find it. And uh, one last thing, a couple of things I want to get in. If I, I want to try both of these. Ashley Babbitt, more stories about that. Now more videos coming out. wonder why they were, were releasing this video. Gee, I wonder why that, what, 18 hours of, 18,000 hours of video wasn't being released to the public. Maybe you think it might be this. I think it very much is this. Ashley Babbitt, now we see on video, was desperately trying to prevent rioters from vandalizing the doors leading to the Speaker's lobby at the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th, even stepping between one troublemaker and police officers guarding the doors, a video analysis shows. You recall that Ashley was shot as she was climbing up on that window. And I can't read all of this, but it's fascinating. It's a Babbitt tried to stop attack on Capitol Speaker's lobby, the video shows. We'll put this also on a getter because I think you should I think you should see this. Remember that Ashley was a, in the U.S. Air Force, but what they didn't tell us was that she was a military police officer. So she could be seen chatting with the police, and uh, she can be seen, uh, the guy that breaks the window, she could be seen trying to stop him do that. Uh, and so why did she climb up on the window? Because uh, the video seems to show, we don't know, but the video seems to show that she was cornered and not able to, like, in a terrible situation and unable to get out of it. And so she tried to get through the window as a matter of escape. That's what uh, some people watching it are saying. And um, there's so much detail in this, but one thing that they repeat, I have a lot of eyewitness accounts that they said they heard no warning no warning to her before she was shot, and that the guy who uh, actually broke out those windows that she was trying to stop uh, had problems with his glasses. They fell, and he stopped to adjust his glasses. It was Ashley who went up on the window, and she's the one that got shot. Also, they said that the um, uh, for some reason, I don't know, I can't remember the specifics on this, but the officers that were assigned at that door retreated 
and left it deserted. They heard something and they ran. I mean, I, I read one of them and said, I, we were worried that we were going to be hurt by the protesters. And so we ran, these brave police officers, at least one of them. And so no one was there. No one was there that had authority uh, to stop what was happening. So uh, she was shot about 2.44 in the afternoon. And, of course, you know that the uh, officer, Bird, uh, there's a lot of question about he was let off. They said he was, you know, there was no reason they'd, they'd uh, reviewed it. And there was no reason to hold him accountable for this. But her family is very much going to hold him accountable for this because of a lot of things surrounding that. Remember, he had kind of a record of being careless. And um, and why if he didn't warn her, that's just unforgivable. And she was unarmed. And so an investigation, I'm sure, will take place. And the last thing, I think it's the last thing I want to tell you about this. Anybody remember that the one of the big stories from January 6th was that a couple stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop that held all of this important information on it, that they went into the Speaker's office and stole public property, and they actually raided the home of Paul and Marilyn Huper. That's an Alaska couple who were there, uh, but they, they weren't even inside the couple. But, of course, they knew they were. They just knew it. Uh, they uh, they break, broke down the family's door, and um, because of course this couple, who weren't even inside the Capitol, Paul and Marilyn Huper, uh, were guilty because they just were because somebody said it, so it must be true. And now we're finding out Associated Press actually printed this. It looks like that infamous Nancy Pelosi laptop uh, was not her laptop at all. It was a staff laptop that was used just for presentations. It had nothing in it. And so um, the Associated Press corrected themselves, you know, sort of quietly and not very forthwithly and not very loudly. But now it turns out that that wasn't true. Maybe it's also true that this couple that was invaded by the FBI weren't even there uh, inside the Capitol. Maybe that would be true, too. You know, how can you tell what's true? I'm telling you, this is why I do this. And this is why my my narrative, what I tell you, is different than what you're hearing on the news Uh, Because I'm trying to give you what I believe is the truth. If it weren't the truth, I would not be doing this. It would be much easier to follow the party line. But I can't do that. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.